Before I read your text, I'd like to say just a word about our government. You know, you live in the most wonderful country in the world if you just appropriate the things that are valuable and that you need. There isn't anything under our system of government that you can't get if you ought to have it. If it's something you ought to have. A great many people get things you ought not to have. But under our system of government, there's always a way to get by and do things that ought to be done. There are a great many good men in Washington. There's a great deal of cheap politics in Washington, but there are a great many good men up there. And uh, there is a tendency on the part of the good men in Washington to cooperate with everything that means the general welfare of the public. And they know our situation here. They know how crowded we are. And they know how these students come from everywhere. And they've been most cooperative with us in Washington. And the great universities of America, the great universities, I could name them, the great outstanding universities of this nation, have from the very beginning of this institution cooperated with us. Because, you know, when you get up in a higher scale among the intellectual, intelligent people, the real, honest-to-goodness people, under our system of government, even when they are not Christians, when they don't believe your fundamentals of the faith, uh, they have a sort of appreciation in America of, a, of an experiment in an educational field, in educational work. And there's a great deal of interest, and you'd be surprised, the interest over the country in our educational setup and our approach to the problem of education down here. And they're looking at us with great wonderment in their eyes and hearts at what's been accomplished here, uh, which we know by the help of God and which sometimes they think is merely a human effort. But they've been most cooperative. And we appreciate it. We appreciate the friendship of people in watching. I'd like to say to our students who are listening in, one of the dearest friends this school's ever had, and he's no more friendly to us than he is to any other good institution. He's a good, fair-minded man, and that's our Congressman Joseph Bryson. You know, if he didn't like me, if he wasn't my friend, and I wanted something that I thought I was entitled to, uh, I believe I could go to Congressman Bryson and tell him what we were interested in, he'd cooperate with us. We found him that kind of man. We found Governor Thurman of South Carolina, former governor of the state, who's on our board, both he and Congressman Bryson, have been most cooperative. So has Senator Johnson and Senator Maybank from this state. Uh, and others that we could name that have always been cooperative and other members of Congress, uh, one that my son knows very well that I have met. We appreciate that. We appreciate the cooperation and friends of people everywhere. You know, if you are going God's way, doing God's work, and you won't waver, somehow or other God Almighty will always get you over the hill. It may be that uh, he may use a hand that's not exactly one of his hands sometimes to push you up the hill when you need a little push. You know, it's a strange thing to me that Christians don't cash in on their assets. You know, you've got assets. I, I never trim anywhere we go on these things. Just tell them what you stand for. Tell them what you're doing. And don't apologize for it. And it's wonderful how you get along. Now, I do hope that this coming year will be the wonderful year, and I hope that you'll make a wonderful record this summer. I'm trying to bring you some messages out of the Word of God these last few days that will help you as you go along. I think I've talked from this text somewhere, uh, once or twice in the past, if it's been a long time, I'm sure if I ever have, and I may never discuss it with you here. I'm speaking today from the second chapter of Jeremiah. You know, I spoke on from this chapter the other day, at least from this book. Beginning down the 32nd verse and uh, running through the uh, 34th verse. Can a maid forget her ornaments or bride her attire? 
Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Simple little question, isn't it? You think a maid would uh, forget an ornament or bride her attire? Did you ever notice how interested a bride is? I don't blame her. She's not supposed to be married but once, so this day and time many of them marry more than one time. And she gets married. Do you ever see the interest? She has a maid to help her. She has everybody to see, and mother, and all the grandparents, and cousins, and aunts, everybody, and friends. Schoolmates, everybody to be sure that she's exactly right. Somebody comes along, you know, and uh, lifts up a, a train, and somebody pushes the veil back, and little things like that that are uh, very significant. And yet, compared with this thing, are not very significant. You can marry without a veil. Uh, you can get along and be happily married without uh, having a long train dragging down the aisle. Everybody's afraid you'll step on. You can get married without those things. Uh, but you're interested in all those little things that go along to make up for wedding. Now, the, a prophet here said, that shows you how people are interested. They never forget that. But you forget God. You forget God, yet you forget me days without numbers. A maid never forgets her ornaments or bride ever her attire, yet you forget me. In other words, you treat God uh, with less consideration than you treat the ordinary routine things of life. You pay less attention to the things that have to do with your relation to God than you do with the things that have to do with your relation to a marriage ceremony. Isn't that how it is? Uh, you know, I wonder sometimes how many of us wake up in the morning and we don't think about God. We go to bed at night, you wouldn't think about saying, uh, not saying good night to somebody, and yet you go to bed at night and go to sleep sometimes. And you never say good night to God and turn your life over to Him. It's so easy to forget God, see. And He's the last one we ought to forget, but it's so easy to forget Him. I catch myself sometimes now forgetting an opportunity for a testimony. Let's don't forget him this summer, will you? Now, as you go out this summer and little things come up, don't forget him. Be sure that wherever you are, that you do something or say something to remind people of God. Now, let's do that. Now, it's not always wise to get up and preach a sermon. Uh, it may not be wise sometimes to make a statement on some occasion. It might not be the proper thing to do. But you can get always ease in a little testimony in a nice gentleman like lady like Wade. And do it, and so when you go away back, you've left a sweet, uh, wonderful influence. Strange thing about people. Uh, you know, it's strange what conception the average man of the street has about God. There's a man in South Carolina, a citizen of this state. Years ago, he was over in Tennessee when Bob Jones University was Bob Jones College located there. One day, a man met him on the street, one of our boys, and gave him a gospel tract and asked him uh, if he was a Christian. You know... Uh, that wasn't anything wrong. That's what he should have done. You wouldn't hesitate to say, I, I beg your pardon, are you a stranger in town? You wouldn't think about that, would you? See a man walk around, how'd he do, sir? Are you a stranger in town? That'd be natural to ask you. Or if you saw a fellow look like he is uh, feeling bad, you wouldn't hesitate to say, my friend, I, you're not ill, are you? So this boy, in a nice gentlemanly way, gave him a track and asked him if he's a Christian, see? You know what that fellow said? When he heard we were coming down here, he said he didn't want a school in South Carolina where people did that sort of thing. He wasn't in favor of a school where a student would go out and ask a man if he's a Christian. Well, what's a Christian school? What is a Christian school? What do we run the Christian school for? What are we in business for? If you can't go out in this country and uh, be a gentleman, of course, or a lady, of course, and cannot inquire about the spiritual welfare of people, 
what do we run the Christian school for? What are we in business for? Why do you build churches and buy pipe organs and ring church bells and have church services? What are we doing this business for? Strange how we dilute our religion, how we look at things. Now, he said people think of everything else, but they forget me. They get off on a trip and think of fun, but they forget me. They never forget a date with a sweetheart, but they forget me. Uh, they never forget uh, what you owe them, but they forget what they owe me. Strange how we treat God, isn't it? And go on and think we're such nice people. So the prophet comes and begins to search him the question. Now he asks him something else. So I want to ask something else the prophet says. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Now that love here must undoubtedly mean favor. What? In order to stand in, you trim a little, see? Uh, you cut a corner and compromise just a little, see? Stand in. Whenever you begin to compromise, then you start down. You compromise this, you have to compromise something else. The devil never lets you stop when you start the compromise business. The first thing for you to do as a young Christian is to get out in the world and make up your mind that you're not going to be a compromise. That's the curse of this country. People say, well, you've got to go along with people. You haven't got to go along the wrong way with people. There are certain fundamental things that you've got to stand on till the stars fall. Now, we begin to trim. And he asks these people, his people, remember he's talking to his people there, Israel, why are you trimming your ways, trying to fit in? They're never going to take you. They never have accepted it. When the uh, Israelites were back there in their own land, and true to God, they were a thousand times better off with the world than they were to begin to trim a little. You know, you can't go far enough to please the world. This school can't go far enough to please the world. We couldn't do it. Uh, what would we have to do? Well, we'd have to start a little here and <laughs> let somebody come in, smoke cigarettes. And Next thing you'd do, we'd have to have a dance out here because some folks don't want to dance. Next thing you'd do, you'd have to do something else. And next thing you'd do, you'd have to keep somebody that ought to be shipped. Uh, next thing you'd do, you'd compromise a little with a fellow that's got some money, you know, and overlook something with his child. And the first thing you know, you're in such a mess, you can't get out. You can't extricate yourself. You're just, you're in such a fix, there's no way out. That's the way they've all gone. Start out a good school and then they just compromise a little here. Well, we'll just overlook that, you see. And uh, there's a principle at stake, we'll overlook that. And, uh, well, you know, we'll overlook it at the end of the year anyhow, see. And we go along and say, well, we can't afford to pay attention. That will hurt our standing some way. You know, you just can't be different. You've got to be like other people, and it's so easy to sell yourself on trimming. Now, Israel was chosen by Almighty God to do certain things, stand for certain things. I've told you before. They were to sell to the world the idea there's one God. That's the first business they had. They were to sell to the world uh, that idea, so the world never forget. There's one God, not many gods, one God. One God. I was over in Japan, I noticed, made me think so much of the Old Testament. Over there where they build their uh, Shinto temples out in the groves and on the hilltops. You know. And uh, how they clap their hands to try to wake up the gods. I thought of old Elijah, you know, tell them. About, uh, maybe your God's off taking a nap, go wake him up. And then I thought about how the old prophets of the Old Testament would get after him, about the groves and all that sort of situation, trying to take on the customs of the world. And those customs had to do with religion. 
It's not a question of business customs. You go down here to a grocery store and buy groceries like anybody else. There's no religion in that. Uh, there's no compromise in going to one of these things. You've got to go around all sorts of little corners to buy goods. That's not compromise. There's nothing compromising about uh, dressing in the ordinary form of the day unless you uh, the forms get immodest. Nothing wrong in a girl coming into a service or occasion properly dressed. There's nothing wrong in following forms and customs of the world that have to do with the routine of life, except when there's a religious principle at stake. Now, when they began to build their temples and place the worships up in the groves on the hilltops and copied the world and the other gods and the other systems around and clothed themselves with the sort of robes their other gods were wearing, then they was compromising a principle. That wasn't their business. They were not to recognize other gods. They had one god. And their main business was to sell that god to the world. And they began to tremble and see. And you know how it goes? He said, uh, you trim now to sell your god, you know. Well, you say, well, we'll do it this way, you know, and he'll sort of please those folks over yon. They like that, you know. Uh, we'll put on this to please the case of these people over here. First thing you know, they're in a mess. That's the way it goes. Now, there's nothing wrong about a formal service on Sunday morning. Some people like that. Nothing wrong in life. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you have a little ritualistic service Sunday morning or not. There's no principle involved when you put that on. Nothing wrong with that at all. But when you stand up on Sunday morning and compromise a religious principle, Christian principle, to please somebody that may be there, neglect to say something you ought to say, Overlook something you shouldn't overlook. That's compromise. That's trimming your ways. Now, you're going out this summer. Now, you're going to be in all sorts of circles and all sorts of groups. Going to be tempted many times to just say, well, I'll tell you, i just go along. You know, I might do a little good if I'm along. It isn't the right thing to do, I know. But I'll do the wrong thing to try to get to do some good. You never do good by doing wrong. You never accomplish any good results by trimming. You never achieve for God by cutting corners with the world. No way to do it. Now, young people, get your feet down on certain principles. Now, you stand there. You don't have to be ugly. Don't have to be mean. But just get fixed now. Get fixed. And when you get fixed, stay fixed. And don't compromise and make up your mind that you're not going to even think about compromise. Now, I said, why trim us our way to seek faith? They won't respect you. <laughs> you know, a fellow came to our school one time and thought he'd fix it up by, because he, he belonged to a certain church in a certain section that, uh, you know, wasn't very friendly to evangelism and uh, tried to keep his hand on everybody, the bosses did, to shape them their own way. And so he said, well, I'll uh, go to our seminary just to show them I, one of them, you know. Just to show them. I know it's a modernistic seminary. I know all that startling. And I know it's cold and technical and dead, but I'll go there. Just let them know where I stand. See? So he got out there and got to the seminary. He never did get anywhere because they'd always say he's one of Bob Jones' boys anyhow. You know? Listen, whenever you get this uh, stigma on you, it stays. They won't tell you I'm sorry, but when you get stamped with a Bob Jones stamp, it'll be with you. And uh, when you get out and try to fix up with the other crowd, they'll have no respect for you. The boys that have gone out to Bob Jones University and said, Yeah, I'm a Bob Jones University boy. What you got to do about it? 
I'm a good Baptist, or I'm a good Methodist, or I'm a good Presbyterian, but I went to Bob Jones University because I got trained. I never saw one of those boys licked in my life. Did you know the largest number of baptisms in this state of South Carolina this last year was by a Bob Jones University boy, and they went to any seminary, pastor of a Baptist church in this thing. Baptized more people in this church than any preacher in South Carolina. Largest number of converts and baptists. He never did compromise. I know another one that ranked second in his place. We've had a few fellows go out and think the way to do it. There's one fellow in this country that married a graduate of this school. When we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, and she's one of the finest graduates we ever had. He didn't stay in school very long. And I ran into him one time down here in South Carolina. Just ran into him. Just ran into him. Happened to run into him. I said, what are you doing down here? He said, I'm pastor of a church over here. Looked like he was so afraid he'd somebody to see him talking to him. See? Some nice fellow, what? Well, he hasn't any very big church, never will have. Because a fellow like that lacks something to start with. See, he, he, something's left out of it. You are going out from this institution to a world where even the devil's crowd doesn't respect you if you compromise. Now, you can't get favor that way. They said, we'll stand in. Listen, they've had more trouble since they made that point than they ever had. They've been persecuted generation after generation, scattered over the face of the earth, and they still, and you cannot be anything else but a troublemaker and trouble for yourself, as long as you come. Now, he said, I'll tell you something you've done. You've trimmed your ways and all that kind of situation. Now, I said, you know what I found happened to that? Terrible consequences. I'll find in your skirts the blood of the innocents. People, you have blood on you. Young people, a compromising attitude of heart and mind will stain your hands with the blood of people that you're going to win. I find blood in your skirts. You compromise it. You folks that thought you'd please people. Look how bloody you are. He said, you don't even have to look for blood. It's no secret search, Billy. It's just find anywhere. Oh, the blood. The blood on the hands and skirts of compromisers. Now, you can be a sweet, nice, lovely, fine, Christian gentleman and lady. You don't have to be ugly and mean. You can be nice, but sweetly fun. No compromise, no effort to compromise. If first thing, does this please God? All right. My business is to please God. That's my business. That's my responsibility. As long as I hold that position, I'm not afraid of anything. I pass the responsibility to God. If I stand on God's side, and in the sort of person God wants me to be, then God's responsible for the consequences. If I step out on God and step over on the side of compromise, then I take the consequence. Now, I said something else, and this is one of the saddest things of the consequences. In thy skirts I found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search. And he goes on and says something else. said, you've taught other people trickery. Listen, listen. Some of the worst politics that's ever been taught in this country have been taught by compromising religious bosses. The worst trickery that's ever, world's ever known 
has been the trickery of certain compromising religious bosses. They have taught the world that dirty business. I sat when I was a young man in a religious group. I didn't know they were political or religious politicians. I didn't know that. I knew those men smoked, but I knew some good people that smoked. Now, as a boy, a great many folks smoked. I didn't think much about that. But I knew they sat around and smoked, and I knew one or two of them told some jokes that were off color. I knew that. But I knew other men that did that. But I sat in a meeting one time as a young fellow with the sincerest heart of any young preacher you ever knew. And we discussed something that we felt ought to be done. And I soon found out that I was sitting in the midst of the most crooked politicians I'd ever met in my life. Now, I'm sort of a politician myself. I know that game pretty well. It's been my weakness all my life. But I have never known any man in worldly politics that suggested anything more crooked or wicked than one of those preachers suggested. He was a compromiser. And whenever one of God's people begins to compromise, he outruns the devil's gang in crookedness. Now, he said, you've taught the world your tricks. You've taught these other folks compromise. And that's exactly the conditions under which we are living today. Now, just a minute, I'm going to let you go. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek faith? Young folks, there's only one road to travel. That's the right road. Be pleasant, be sweet, love everybody, be a gentleman, be a lady. Travel the right road. Don't go out to please. Oh, I'm so sick and tired of how to make friends, how to please, how to do this, how to do that. Listen, the emphasis today is on how to please man. The emphasis of the Bible is on how to please God. I do always, Jesus said, the things that please the Father. Your business is to please God. That's your job. Not to please yourself, not even your wife. Not your best friend. Unless you can please them while you please God. Your first business is please God. God has a will and a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a road for you to travel. Stay in the middle of it. Don't step over on this side when there's a principal stake or over on this side. Stay in the middle of the road. Be faithful. Don't get any blood on your skirts. And for heaven's sake, don't teach wicked men tricks that are worse than they know. And that's what he said they'd done when they compromised in dream. Lord God, we look to thee in simple faith today and pray out of the depths of our hearts to keep this school ever faithful to thee. That's our prayer day after day. And we believe you're going to answer it. You have so far. We pray for these students. They're going to be some of them thrust out in this world just a short while. You're going to meet the devil on every bus they ride, on every train and every plane. They'll never get beyond this temptation. None of us ever have. Day in and day out, it's always a temptation. Compromise, compromise, compromise. Trim, trim, trim. Please, please the world. Please other people. Fix it up so they'll take it. And we fix it and they won't take it. 
And when we go back to see what it did for them, instead of just taking them, they're out doing the same job we are doing in that wicked way. We've taught them lessons of wickedness. Lord God, let this school with its faculty and students forever in this age in which we live in set an example. Oh, Lord God, help us to set an example of Christian ladies and Christian gentlemen with a Christian testimony, a Christian education, Christian courage, Never compromise anything that's contrary to the fundamental principles for which we hold and keep us faithful and save us from the awful consequences of doing wrong by trying to please men instead of God. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.